0: Welcome to the Midweek Bible Study, and we're in 1 Peter, and have been for some weeks. And Peter is encouraging the Christians, as we need encouraging in troublesome times. So they did, because they were going through greater troubles than we do. Might have been of a different sort. It reads in verse 7 of chapter 1, or verse 6 actually, if need be, ye own heaviness through manifold trials, the trial of your faith in verse seven being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, so they were going through troublesome times. So in the first chapter, Peter is encouraging them in their salvation, and so for tonight we look at some thoughts here that he brings out or will be bringing out from verse seventeen of chapter one. Which reads, and if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So we've looked at several points. And uh, last week we looked at verse 16. And the thought did come from that. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. In the midst of troubles we're not... uh, absolved from the responsibility of living godly lives. And we took the thought from that, it is written, it is written, this is the way you should behave. It is written, he is holy, we should be holy as his children. He expects nothing less than that from his children, even if we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom we shine as lights in the world. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing as we look into his word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word it is written. We need to read and heed, obey and do the word of the Lord as we hear it. In these troublesome times, Lord, I pray that we would do just that. And that would be blessed lights for the glory of the Lord. Help us, encourage us to do what is right. Minister to us through your spirit for your glory, Lord, and minister your word to us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. So I pray you've had a good week till now and that this might encourage you for the remainder of the week. The portion we look at, or the verse we look at tonight, is from that portion of encouragement, verse 17, that we've already read. The surrender of ourselves to God in salvation. So, surrendering ourselves because of being saved and because we are to be holy. As God's children, we need to be serious about our Christian life, about sin, about holy living. Our Father is a holy God. In John's Gospel, chapter 17... John 17 and verse 11 we read and now I am no more in the world but these are in the world and I am come to thee holy father keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are one and so our father is holy he wants us to be holy in 17 of John and verse 25 we read O righteous father The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And so we have a Father that is holy. He wants us to be holy also, a righteous Father, a holy Father. And he will not compromise with sin. He's merciful, he's forgiving, but he's also a loving disciplinarian. As uh, you read in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, he cannot permit his children to enjoy sin. You say, well, God's a loving God. He'll let me get, ab- He'll let me get away with it. Huh. No, that's not the approach. If we love God, we'll keep his commandments. And his commandments is, be ye holy, for I am holy. You know, it was sin that sent his son, our father's son, to the cross to pay for our sin. And if we call God our Father, we should reflect His nature. And really, a lot of the characteristics of God centre around His holiness. So, what is this judgment that Peter talks about in verse 17? Who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work? What is this judgment that Peter wrote about? Is it the judgment it is the judgment of believers? works as it says it's nothing to do with salvation nothing to do with salvation except that salvation ought to produce the good works because we're his children we ought to have holiness and good works and we will be judged for the good works we do as a christian not to become christians in the book of titus titus chapter 1 and verse 16 we read this they profess that they know god but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. So were those that uh, were saying we're Christians, but their behavior said otherwise. They, they, look, they said they were Christians, but they didn't look and act like Christians. And uh, it's said earlier in the book of Titus, verse 13, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. In chapter 2 and verse 7 of Titus, in all things, showing thyself a pattern, a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness and gravity and sincerity. So the Christian life is serious. Gravity and sincerity and doctrinal correctness. Verse 12 of chapter 2 of Titus, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so, yes, it urges us to live as a Christian ought to live in the Scriptures. And we're going to be judged for these things that we do as Christians. You know, when we trusted Christ, God forgave all our sins and declared us righteous in him, in the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter eight verses 1 to 4 therefore there is therefore now there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit and we will be judged for walking as a Christian and working as a Christian but not for our sins because there is no condemnation to them who are Christians who are in Christ jesus Here, there we have it, that we are forgiven, we're cleansed, we're completely uh, guilt-free from our sin, but God wants us to work. So the judgment here is not about our sin, it's about our works as Christians. Colossians 2.13 Having forgiven you all trespasses, we're clean of our sins, we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been judged on the cross. In 1 Peter chapter two. Back where we are in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, we read there, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Hebrews tells us also in chapter ten of this cleansing, that we are not guilty anymore of our sins. In verses twelve to fourteen of chapter ten. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering has he perfected forever them that are sanctified. We're perfected forever. We can be pleased and thank God that we've been cleansed forever. Uh, Perfected forever. Through the blood of Christ. And that uh, we don't have to pay for our sins. In verse 17 of the same chapter. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. All because of what Christ has done for us. So back there in Peter. It's not talking about judging us for our sins. It's judging us for our works as Christians. Every man's work. And uh, there's a re- the, <laughs> there's a reason we should behave holy. And it tells us in the last part of the verse that we'll get to in a bit. When Jesus returns to earth, there will be a time of reckoning. There will be a time of judgment. And it's told to us in scripture what that time is. In the book of Romans chapter, 10, no, chapter 14 and verse 10, we have this written. Romans 14 and verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it nought thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is talking to Christians, about Christians, about what's going to happen in the day future when we get to heaven. It is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Serious business. Giving account to ourselves of ourselves to God at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, a serious time in first uh, second Corinthians five and verse ten it tells us likewise, for we sh- must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is talking about in heaven first up judgment of the believer and this our works will be judged by the lord on that day where we will stand before the bema seat or the judgment seat and that word is bema seat there and what will happen on this occasion well it tells us in first corinthians chapter 3 first corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12 or 13 every man's work shall be made manifest For the day, the day of judgment shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So it's sorting out good or bad works. The, The works that will be on the fire, as it said in other verses, the good or bad. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. And it's saying there, if it, If he receives a reward, he receives a reward. But if it's not the right works, he won't receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, so be those works that aren't burned and those works that are burned. The works that are burned are fleshly works, works that are done for self, works that are done with the wrong motive. But the works that will abide the fire of the Lord at the beamer seat, he will not suffer loss. The one that works are burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. So each one of us will give an account of his works. Each one will receive an appropriate reward, and you can trust God that it will be absolutely honest and true and correct according to that which we've done. And each one will receive that appropriate reward. It's a family judgment, we might say, a judgment of the family of the Lord. A father dealing with his beloved children. And the, the Greek word judges or "judgeth" back there in verse 17 of First Peter 1 carries the meaning to judge in order to find something good. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you'll find something good. But there also, as we see, have seen in 1 Corinthians 3, that it will be a judgment on those things what could have done and done with the wrong motive that will be burned up. So he's looking for something good. God will search into the motives of our ministry he will examine our hearts but he assures us that his purpose is to glorify himself in our lives and our future and our ministry even now and then shall every man have praise of God according to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 5 every 4 and verse 5 every man shall have praise of God what an encouragement that is for us today God gives us many gifts and privileges as we go through life and as we grow as Christians as opportunities come I pray that you've taken hold of the opportunities that God has given but he, and he's given us the, these privileges in life but he never gives us these privileges to disobey and to sin God never pampers his children he doesn't want us to say well I've got the privilege of God I'm, I've been forgiven by the grace of God and therefore I can do as I please. No, no. And Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 tells us this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? In verse 15 of the same chapter, it reads, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. God forbid. The Lord doesn't just let us live as we please once we're Christians, once we're his children. He wants us to live holy lives. The judgment day will declare what sort of life we have lived. And it's not going to be God and you in a room. It's going to be God and everybody who's a Christian in the church from the start of Pentecost to the rapture. All the people will be gathered there and uh, the, the Moses will be seen. I'm sure there's gonna be some ah oh amongst the crowd, but all of us will be in the same boat and all of us will be will be judged for what's going on, what we've done in our lives. And it notice there in first in Peter chapter one, verse seventeen, it says there, He's no respecter of persons. In Romans two verse eleven it reads, For there is no respect of persons with God. You know, Years of being good doesn't allow us to purchase an hour of disobedience. You know, those that might be trying to lose weight, you know, you know what it's like if you try to, you know, I won't eat that, I don't eat that. A whole week you abstain from doing it. And then you dive into the chocolate. Can't resist. (laughs) And eat the whole bar or whatever. And uh, it costs you. It costs you. But years of obedience as a Christian does not allow us to dive in and do what we please for a moment. If one of God's children disobey, like if we as we have children that disobey, what do we do? We we correct them, we chastise them, we bring them back so that they don't go further. And so when God's children disobey... He is not pleased, but when they do obey, he is pleased and the loving relationship is developed. He notes and prepares a proper reward for that service done. Even a cup of cold water given in his name will have its reward. The way you treat children will have its reward. Don't offend them. Parents, don't offend them. Don't misbehave before them. Do what is godly and correct before them because if you offend them by your behavior or offend them by your speech to them or knocking them and putting them down, that has a bad influence upon them and an effect upon them. But we need to think of everything we do as being one day held up before the spotlight of God himself shining through this work oh what a day it will be judgment day Peter reminds his readers chapter 4 and verse 1 through to 6 just over the page 4 and verses 1 to 6 and we've read it before that we're strangers and pilgrims in this world and if you you read that portion of scripture we won't oh, let's read some of it for Matt's so then as Christ has suffered for us In the flesh arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. In the times past it might have sufficed us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles and done as we pleased. But, But no, no, we stop doing the old habits, stop those. They might die hard, but they're to be stopped And we live for the Lord because we are strangers and sojourners in this world. You know, it was when Lot stopped being a sojourner and wandering from place to place to pick up food for his crops, you know. I mean, for his sheep, some food for his sheep and his his animals and, and became a resident in Sodom that he lost his consecration. He lost his testimony he lost his children, he lost his wife or some of his children and um, he had no testimony who art thou to come and tell us how to live said the people of Sodom everything he, everything he lived for went up in smoke and you know what there's some Christians and we didn't read it but it's in First Corinthians chapter 3 who at the end on the bema seat day on the judgment day whose works are going to go up in smoke poof gone like a vapor that a little time a little time vanishes away and uh, you expected yes to have all these rewards in heaven and you didn't get them so that you might have uh, passed them back we're strangers and pilgrims let's not be let's behave like strangers and pilgrims and sojourners uh, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius this is who Peter is talking to in verse 1 of chapter 1 in chapter 2 and verse 11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain and from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. So in view of the fact that the heavenly, loving Heavenly Father disciplines His children today, will judge their works in the future, we ought to cultivate an attitude of what this, the last part of this verse tells us to do. Because this is going to happen, because we're strangers, because we're pilgrims in this world, because he wants us to be holy and without blame. And because he is holy. And because he's going to judge us. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. This is not a fear of judgment. Like First John 4.18 tells us there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. But it's a fear of disappointing him or sinning against this love of his, as one songwriter put it. It is a godly fear. In Second Corinthians it tells us about this in chapter 7 and verse 1, where having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's a Godly fear we perfect holiness. Second Corinthians seven one goes well with what we're looking at in verse sixteen and seventeen of first Peter chapter one. It's a sober reverence for the Father. You know the Jews of the Old Testament and even today, though they're not worshipping God as they should, the Jews have a fear and a reverence for God. They wouldn't even pronounce his holy name, they wouldn't even write it. And they took special care when they did and had to write his name down. Yet we today speak of God with carelessness and irreverence in our meetings, in our private conversations with people. We're to watch what we do. We don't understand when we do those sort of things against the Lord and when we don't live holy lives, we don't understand God. We don't understand his character. And and you say, well, I'm ignorant, therefore it's okay. No. As Christians we ought to find out what our Father is like. We ought to study him in his word. It is written, do you know it is written about God? Just take a look into the Old Testament and look at the occasions where men, and even in the New Testament, did that which displeased the Lord and what the Lord did to them. Immediately smitten, smitten dead. Ananias and Sapphira. You look in Second Corinthians, this is it chapter five? There, where they were smitten because they didn't live holy and they were bad testimony. And we think, oh, God's let us all, you know, all things continue as they are. God's not done anything to me yet. I, I'm living to please myself. Yet I, I'm going to heaven. I'm a Christian. Huh. You better check the word out. And ignorance is not bliss, and ignorance won't let you get away with it. The fear of the Lord. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Listen to a few verses in closing from the Old Testament. In passing, the time of our sojourning here in fear. Not a shrinking away from God, but a desire to please Him because He is our Father and He has done so much for us and has promised to do so much more in the future and eternity. The word there, come pass the time, pass the time is to order one's conduct, to arrange our daily lives to please God and to bear a good witness. Why? Because we fear the Lord. Not cowardly, not shrinking away, but an awe and a reverent respect for God. Here are some verses. Job twenty-eight twenty-eight, And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Can you remember the time when you realized who who God is and what he has done for you and you, oh, wow, I need to listen. I need to change the way I live. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I remember when I became a Christian, it was the fear of the Lord coming and me being not ready for him coming, being unprepared. That made me think of being saved. And that's when the fear of the Lord. Became the beginning of wisdom in my life. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Again it says it there. Same as Psalm 111 verse 10. Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord. Is the instruction. For wisdom. You want to be a wise person. Fear the Lord. Read his word. Know what he's like. Know what he is pleased with. And know, know, know what he's displeased with. And do accordingly. Proverbs 1, seven, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 10.27 The fear of the Lord prolongeth life. The fear of the Lord prolongeth life. That is an interesting one, isn't it? You know, we're promised 70 years, 3 score and 10. And if by the grace of God and his hand upon you, you live more, you are blessed. And some people say when they get real old and a bit unstable and unable to move around (laughs) i'd rather be with the lord well the fear of the lord prolongeth life the fear of the lord is a fountain of life to avoid the snares of death it's a fountain of life and it avoids the snares of death you see them coming you know we as christians can see what's going on even in our day we recognize the hand behind it the lord is sovereign but we also recognise that Satan is trying to get his way in this world, and we can see and understand the word of the Lord, and we can fear the Lord, knowing His word is going to be fulfilled and dead accurately. It'll give us life to know these things. Um, the fear of the Lord leads to life, Proverbs nineteen twenty three. The fear of the Lord is treasure, Isaiah thirty three verse six. Proverbs fourteen twenty six. The fear of the Lord is a strong treasure. You could write all these down, look them up for yourself in the concordance and go through them and and learn from these verses of people that have penned life's experience down before you or the revelation of God to you. Proverbs 15:16 Better is a little with the fear of God than great treasures with turmoil. Hmm. and A lot of people know about that these days. It's better to have a little and fear God. You're far better off than having great riches and the turmoil that comes with it. In Proverbs 2 verse 5. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You understand the way God thinks and how to please him. Psalm 112 verse 1. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord. We're blessed if we fear the Lord. And so it says in Psalm 128 verse 1 also proverbs 8 13 the fear of the lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way that's the fear of the lord to hate to hate evil to hate pride and arrogance and the evil way do you hate that when it comes up in your life do you hate that when you see it in other people's lives when you see it in people in the world and you hate that the fear of the lord Because these people will be judged by the Lord. Psalm 19 verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The fear of the Lord. In Job 4 verse 6. Is not your fear of God your confidence? Yes, it is. (laughs) Because you know He rewards those that fear him and obey his word. You know, if you don't fear the king, if you don't fear the policeman, you give him lip... As we say, you, he will come down with a greater condemnation. And right, Let's fear God so he doesn't come upon us with condemnation. Proverbs 14:2. He who walks in his righteousness feareth God. Colossians, New Testament, 3, verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, Fearing God, you serve the master and obey the boss because you fear the Lord. That sounds like a wise move. And uh, the boss will, should be pleased with your work ethic and your attitude. Psalm 85 verse 9, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Though he's, It's near those that fear him. In the book of Malachi, just before the Gospel of Matthew, We have in Malachi, and this is the last one, chapter 3, and we look this one up, Malachi 3, verse 16 and 17. Listen to what it says about those that fear the Lord. As Peter has told us, we know judgment is coming. We're going to give an account. We know we've been instructed to holy living. Therefore, pass the time of your sojourning here in the fear of the Lord. And here's somebody, some folks that did. In verse 16, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. What a blessed... Thought there that we will one day be the lords and will be made up as His precious ones, His jewels, His jewels, when He gathers and and spares us and brings us together, because we serve Him fearfully in the right understanding of fear. But they that feared the Lord spoke often one with another. That's one thing we're missing here: is the fellowship. We've got the Word of God being preached, and it can be all in the head it needs to be in the heart and and the fellowship of people one with another as iron sharpeneth iron as a file sharpens a tool then we we can sharpen one another with the fellowship but pray that one day soon we'll be back together in fellowship and we'll be serving the lord and that a, a book of remembrance might be written as we desire to get back and have fellowship one with another heavenly father thank you that we are to pass the time of our sojourning here in fear, a reverential fear of the Lord, knowing that one day we'll stand before him as our judge and he'll see right through all our works, but he will reward those that serve him faithfully. Lord, we are to walk in fear and pass the time of our sojourning in that manner because he is a holy God and he will not have sin in his camp. May we walk that way, as his children, for his glory. And Lord, until he comes, may we do that, or until he takes us. In Jesus' name, amen.